see those, all the bait goods out there? Don't, don't miss out on those right there. If y'all would, we're trying to get our students over to a conference in uh, just a few weeks from now. And, and your $1,000 per cake can really help you with that. I think, you know, the Lord's called us to be generous. And so, don't think 20. Think add zeros to the back of that. And move that decimal down a little bit. It's always much more blessed to give than it is to receive, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, uh, so yeah, if you don't mind, help us out with that. Help the students uh, and then watch their lives be changed as they come back. That's your, your great reward right there, the eternal reward. And in the, in the case, I'm sure it'll be delicious. They're heavenly. Yes. Literally. Yeah, so, hey, uh, how, about, how about last weekend? Was anybody here? How about, how about Dr. Woodall? Did we bring the word? Daniel. 
He was a man of great influence in the government and in the community everywhere. But he never relented on values. He didn't flex or bend on the values of God's word, nor his commitment to God. And so he gives us an example of what it means to be a man who loved really well, but never bent on the values of God. God gave him great influence, and so therefore he was able to speak into kings' lives, into royalty and leadership, and begin to bless and change a lost nation, really. So the picture that we have, so that helps us to understand that we can be of great influence, we can stand firm in the, in the values of the Word of God, even though there may be indifference, but we still have to love well. All right? Where we missed it before was we stand firm and we become very rigid and religious. But we love really well. In the midst of all of that, we're loving people just as Christ loves us with the inner working of the Holy Spirit. He's loving us in the direction of His way. Slowly, at time after time, we're, He's conforming us to His image as we come into agreement and do the do work co labor with Christ. And so that's the, the, the eight based on values. But whenever you get, you get persecuted, we're going to really need to know these principles for nine. The nine says this, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. None of you have ever had that happen before. Because of me, Christ. Rejoice and be glad. Oh, somebody's talking bad about me. They're lying about me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Woo. It's a miracle working day today. I got that, that message today. They're talking trash about me. Oh, hallelujah. It is good. Good to be in the house of the Lord. That's our response, right? Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And the, this, beatitude, this beatitude demands a response that reflects the heart of Christ. They, the response we give shines Jesus back at the individual is what God is trying to, Jesus is trying to articulate to us. So we, we can be sure to testify of Christ through our response, as we, as people re ridicule, they insult us, by our response, it reflects what's in us. It reflects, he's calling us to reflect Christ, reflect me back to the lost world, and it's not going to look anything like what they're used to. Because the world is demanding a response. So Jesus comes along and says, when people insult you, I need you to already have set in your heart, in advance, the way that you're going to respond today to today's problems. Like the people that, that cut you off, the people that talk bad about you on Facebook or send you that text or do whatever it is, or there's a mistake, I want you to already set in your heart this morning before the sun comes up in your devotion time that you're going to, you're going to handle this situation a different way, knowing that it's going to happen today. Okay, thanks for the pre-planning. But that's what he's saying right here. So we're going to take this a little bit deep because I think God is calling us into a, a deeper level of relationship and following him. And this is not deep like we're going to do a theological study where I'm going to exegete a bunch of stuff and bring some hermeneutics in there. You're all confused for the rest of the day. You're already confused now. That's not deep. Deep is the Bible is very, very specifically, specifically clear on some details, on some lifestyles and we're yet, we've yet to begin to follow and grow and, and allow them to become how we handle situations. Is that, is that good? Can we just go deep on that level right there? There's some things the Bible's clear about. I need to start walking in those. 
And so Paul says this, the question is how, how can this be a blessing whenever we handle things or being persecuted? How can being persecuted be a blessing? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12.10, this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, I am strong. I don't know if you've ever felt empowered by moments when you chose not to engage or you chose not to respond in a certain way where you would have previously responded, but all of a sudden you didn't by way of, by work of the Holy Spirit and, and your agreement, and then the situation smoothed out really well, really quickly. Anybody ever experienced that? Sadly, that's not always our response, but that is what Christ, what, what uh, Paul is talking about right here because when, I'm, when, I, when I just go low, Man, God does some work. And all I needed to do was lay down my rights. And so, so we remember the Beatitudes start with the Sermon on the Mount. But do you know what is the next line of the sermon? Like, you get these nine in you, and now you can go and be the salt of the earth. Now you're the light of the world. But you can't make the earth taste better until you get these nine Beatitudes in your heart. Like, I can't change the flavor of the world unless I change the flavor of what's going on in my heart. And then when I change the flavor because I'm just coming under with the Beatitudes, what Jesus Christ is teaching me in the Beatitudes, all of a sudden, I am part of a different flavor in the world. Anybody like good food? Yeah. I love some good food. So in the same way, he says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Man, they, I, they get a different response out of me than what they expected. Because people are looking for a response. And then all of a sudden, what happens, what's, what spiritually happens and changes the environment, the, the, the flavor that comes out to make the world that day taste better in somebody else's life, that's a, a good deed that's imparted into the world around me. And now God is being glorified. People start to recognize it. People start, start to see, well, that's not... That's not common, how you responded to that, or how he responded, or how she responded. That's not, that's uncommon. I wonder what's different about that individual. All of a sudden, he's being glorified. Lord knows, everything has ramped up over the last two and a half years, right? Everybody's mad about something. Everybody's got a little tension on, a little stress. I was even, even yesterday morning, just in prayer, and I was like, Lord, I was examining my heart. I'm like, man, I, 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 I had this heart attitude, I've had this heart attitude, I've, I've had these things commenting in my heart, I've had these, these conversations, I've been snapping here, like, I'm, I'm stressed, like, I'm angry. What am I angry about? Like, I had this in my heart, and then just working through it with the Lord, but I needed to, I just needed to confess that to Him and watch Him begin to change my heart, and just hand that back over to Him. You know what, I'm not going to respond. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna react those ways. I'm not gonna allow that stuff to get to me. I want to have a different perspective. And it's almost like I couldn't even think that way until I confessed back to him that I've been angry for no reason. Like it, it's just season. It's situation. I don't want busyness. Like it's all my own fault. Like there's nobody that I can point at or anything to point at except for this is right here. And so as you do, it just begins to change things. Maybe it's somewhere, someone cuts you off. You know, you're driving in, and you're trying to get to the fuel because you saw gas is now $3.89 instead of $4. And they cut you off, and you're like, you want to you peel that banana. <laughs> you holster that thing, you Christian. You holster that thing. 
literally had the youth leaders. We were coming through. We were leaving New Boston. We had just had a great few days and really discipling them on one and one on one level. We're leaving the DQ and, and we're about to turn to get on the interstate. And I got an arrow. Like it, it's green, it, but it's yellow. It's green yellow. <laughs> but it's in my favor. And I'm, I'm about to turn. I got these students in the back, two students. I got my wife over here and I load my truck. And we're about to turn this white car just goes and I had to turn and, and I'm like, hey, it, it stayed healed. It stayed healed. But I was just giving them the, 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 the tomahawk chop, you know. Like, that was my response. Keep that thing holstered. Matthew 24, 10 says, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. This literally means the majority of us are going to have reasons for offense. You've got, you've got a reason to be offended. There you go. I want to validate you've got a reason to be offended. But Luke 17 says this. Then he said to the disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come. Like, if you're living, there's going to be a reason to get offended. Okay, great, wonderful. Good job. You don't have to defend your case that you have a reason to be offended any longer. Great. Now Jesus is saying, but here's how we deal with that. Our Proverbs uh, 18, 19 says, an offended brother is more unyielding. When you become unyielding, by the way, it, all, it, all, it causes you to become unyielding towards, uh, towards God, too. So I start to defend. I get offensive, and I, I have to defend my reasoning for being uh, offended. And now, all of a sudden, I put up a defense barrier around me, and so you can't have a conversation with me to help explain and to bring understanding to my situation because I've already got a defense. And when I become unyielding to try to find resolve in the situation, the circumstance, the, the scenario, because I'm unwilling to find resolve, I'm unwilling to yield, all of a sudden, God can't even speak to my heart. And now, it says, I'm more unyielding than a fortified city and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. I'm walled up. And I'm righteous in my own wall. And nobody can get in to tell me any different and I won't even listen to the Holy Spirit because I'm right. The world. But when we start to yield, when we start to lay down our rights, when we start to say, you know what, maybe I just need to listen more than I'm talking. I may, I may need to find some reason with the people around me. All of a sudden, even God can then begin to speak into my heart and begin to do his inner working that the Holy Spirit does. I don't know if you've ever been there. So I want to give you four principles that will keep you from becoming a citadel. Keep, keep, keep you from being bound up in your own little walls. And, and save your relationship even. And I and don't forget, if you would, and maybe you're here, take some notes. Truly godly people take notes. Uh, let me say it this way. Uh, people that are going to heaven take notes. I'm sure it's in the Bible. I'll find something for you to bring it next week. These, these four principles, though, they're challenging. But if you, if you apply them today, I promise you it'll change not only your relationships, but it'll change the world around you. But you're not going to want to do them. You're not going to want to apply these, but you will truly be makarios, which is the Greek word for blessed. You'll truly be fulfilled in all areas of life. Why? Because you don't let the things of the world and the culture and responses begin to affect you anymore. 
you truly live peace-filled. And it's a peace and inner joy and an inside inner joy that the world can't understand. And again, much of the church has yet to receive, yet to accept. Are y'all ready? All right, let me give you our response. But here's our response to insults and accusations because we all have them. Number one is choose to look, overlook and be offense. Oh, no. No. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. That was the last few gallons in that tank. And now I've got to wait for a tanker to come through and the fuel prices are never going to go up. Oh, no. But Proverbs 10, 12 says, love overlooks the wrongs that others do. Love overlooks you know what? I'm going to choose to give it some space. I'm going to overlook it. Proverbs 12, 16. says, when a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. The wise people will ignore an insult. Like a fool, whatever, they, they stink up the room. They get mad. Something, something tweaks them a little bit. All of a sudden, they've got to stink up the room with their attitude. Or if they don't say anything, you can feel the tension that's radiating out of them. But a wise person just ignores it. You know what? I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm not going to allow that to take root in my own life. I'm not going to allow it to affect my day. I'm not going to allow it to affect the, the environment in which I'm in. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going there. A wise man can, will choose to ignore an insult. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. So someone, someone does something to you, but you're like, you know... I'm not going to respond like everybody wants me to respond. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to allow it to take me. I'm going to back up and I'm going to, I'm going to, have, I'm going to become a little bit more thoughtful about my response or my reaction. I'm not going to react. I'm going to, I'm going to think this thing through to see how would this best be played out. And sometimes that may just be kindly saying nothing. It's to his glory to overlook the offense. So I... I go from glory to glory by overlooking the fence and just say, you know what, it's okay. I'm not going to let it bother. I'm not going to let it take root in me. We're going to build on that a little bit. Some people say, well, you're, you're letting them off the hook. No. I'm letting me off the hook. But you don't, did you see what they just did? Yeah, I know how long it will take me to get over it and through the frustrations, and it will control my thoughts and keep me from being able to think clearly because I'm operating out of anger. Anybody ever realize whenever you get angry, your ability to comprehend and make wise decisions goes from about a, well, 90 to about 20. All of a sudden. And then you're frustrated and you're blaming other people around you because you got angry. How is that their fault? They had nothing to do with this. You were operating in anger because of frustration over here. You didn't know it. You didn't choose to overlook it. And now these people are suffering from it. Amen. Amen. Yeah. It helps me to overlook the offense. Why? Because if you engage, you are encouraging something that will end in only destruction. I know that the end of this is never going to be good, so why do I take the path and the trail and continue to walk this thing out until it finally meets its end of destruction? How about I just be a little bit yielding, allow the fortification of the citadel to come down, and now we can reason and have conversation and bring to solution if need be. But sometimes I just need to let you go. Meaning, you can cut me off, not a problem. I'm not going to let that ruin my day. I'm going to keep my bananas in my, my holsters. It's going to be good. Jesus called it to us to live a different way, to be soft and light on the earth. I'm going to set it in my heart 
to be, to, to be understanding of another person's issues, circumstances, problems, trials. I'm going to be understanding to an offense. It's going to be okay. It's not going to be the end of the day. Empathy is it, it call, it's called empathy. It takes even the meanest, nastiest attitudes and thinks, hmm, I wonder what they're going through today. Maybe, maybe they're just having a really rough day, and, and maybe this doesn't have anything to do with me, and so I need to not let it have anything to do with me. Empathy says in advance, you know what, people are going through rough times in this season. People are struggling. They're, they're having issues. They're, they have young kids. They have marriage problems. Whatever the circumstance is, it says on my side, people are, are really going through a rough time. So I'm not going to think, I'm going to be, I'm not going to allow myself to be triggered from the get-go. I'm going to say, you know what, maybe they're just having a, a rough day. Maybe, maybe this person, maybe this person is, is, was caught up. The guy that cut this drove right through when I had the green, yellow arrow. Maybe they had an emergency. Maybe they got a phone call and, and they needed to get to the hospital really quickly. And, and maybe, I mean, probably not, but it sure helps me to think that, right? Like, it helps you to go ahead and cover them with that right there and not need to know what the outcome is. Love looks past the behavior and imagines the pain in their life. And if you've ever needed to be set free, we talked about freedom earlier, when God begins to heal you of past situations with people, all of a sudden he begins to help you find revelation. And then this is where the spiritual gifts start to move in because of your own healing. And that's where words of knowledge start to come in and you start to see, ooh, there's some things that that individual went through too. They were a, they were a victim to another villain at some point in their life. And now they're just living out of their victimization. Ooh. And, and I've allowed that to become my issue. But compassion with empathy starts to change your heart. And it begins to say, I'm going to have an allowance. I'm going to have some covering for that. It's going to be all right. Because I'm mature enough to not allow it to wreck my day. Number two is keep my heart free from unforgiveness. Listen, bitterness and unforgiveness, they are dream stoppers. Let me say that again. Bitterness and unforgiveness, they are dream stoppers. And the moment you choose to hang on to unforgiveness, you're just, you're just basically setting a plateau, and you're going to run around in circles until you decide to come out of that circle through forgiveness. Because you're going round and round and round, and it just doesn't stop. Two weeks ago, I mentioned praying uh, often the Lord's Prayer. These, this, this keeps me clean. keeps my heart just... Okay, you can, yep, get, start to get rigid. Remember, I'm a responsibility. It's black and white. Here's how it needs to be. But the Lord's Prayer brings me back. Uh, Saturday morning, I woke up, and my kids, we were outside on the, on the porch, and they had their little toys, little toy figures. Uh, they only watched Bluey. How many of you know Bluey? Bluey! You don't know. Bluey, and then, and then uh, Nathan had PJ masks, and so all the Bluey characters and the PJ masks were were uh, in a circle, in a prayer circle. And just like we do in, in the mornings right outside in the entryway before you guys get here. And so we're going around and each one of them are praying. We were, pra we were practicing praying, all the, all the characters. And I was teaching them through that, the Lord's Prayer, little by little. Well, that Lord's Prayer is what helps me, so I'm trying to impart back to them. And here's what it says. Here's, here's a translation that's more accurate. It says in Luke 11:4 4, it says, and forgive our sins, for we have forgiven those 
who sinned against us. It literally means, Lord, forgive me because I, I've forgiven them, but I'm really working on it in my heart still. I haven't found complete healing, but I'm still working this thing out in my heart. And while I'm working it out in my heart, I'm loving them well. They can't even feel the resistance that I have against them, the, the little bit of unforgiveness that I'm working on still, because, because my act of trying to work it out in my heart is causing me to love them well. And as I'm loving them well, in spite of what I'm feeling inside, I'm finding healing through loving them well. That is really good. Better than, man, high five, Pastor Nathan. I'm going to choose to walk in forgiveness. And an emotional, emotionally mature individual, we are, we are able to express forgiveness while internally still processing that forgiveness. And this is what Christ is calling us to. Oh, Lord, forgive me, because I, like I mess up. In the same way that I'm forgiving this person, I, I forgave them, but I'm still working it out. I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. That's why we, sometimes you'll hear, well, I've already forgiven them. I've, I've already said the word. But still in your heart, there's still there's bitterness, re resentment welling up. And it's turning into anger. And everybody else can see it. Hey, inside the citadel, it's not looking good out here. Unforgiveness. So knowing that the offense, the offenses are going to come, make it a practice in your prayer time to talk with God and begin to disclose those things back to God and forgiving in advance the things that you know could make you stumble into unforgiveness. So Lord, when, when that text comes through, ooh, or that employee does not do, or that driver cuts me off, or I see that so-and-so, Lord, I forgive him. I already, I already forgive you. I'm saying in my heart, I need help to forgive these people for this situation. Anybody that I'm making room in my heart in advance because I know, Jesus tells me, that offenses are going to come. So if I can take the wisdom from offenses are going to come today, I can prepare the way to realize I'm not going to be shocked when an offense comes my way. Good news. So you're preparing to not carry the offense of the day. Colossians 3.13 says, you must make allowance for each other's faults. Like, because of, of, because of my personal devotion and conversation with the Lord, I'm, I'm going to make allowance in, in my heart each and every day. Well, I did that yesterday. Well, guess what? You might have to do it again today because it's got its own problems. I'm going to make an allowance for other people's mess-ups. It says, and forgive the person who offends you Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And here's a great quote. It says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Man, in all my citadel standing, am I right standing, am I right on this issue? I'm imprisoning myself by not yielding, and I'm stuck inside these walls that I can't see. But I'm right. So when someone does something or says something, I'm going to choose to be understanding. They had a reason. There was an issue. They're dealing with something. They aren't mad at me. Just because they're having a bad day doesn't mean it's a reflection on anything about me. They have another barrel of issues of it that is not about my life. Sometimes we have to convince ourselves of this over and over and over until we can actually allow people to have a bad day and it's not about me. 
And in fact, I'm, I'm going to forgive them in advance. I know who I've got to go see today, and who when I see them. Lord, help me. Help a brother. Because you know, it's my surprise. And he's already told us there's going to be an issue. Forgiveness is to release you as a prisoner, but it can't imprison the offender either. Three is pray, bless, and do good to them. Under the law, the Jewish people had a principle that if someone did something, that you had a right to do something similar or the same thing back to them. This is where we see in Matthew 8, Matthew 5, it's still on the, the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them with the, the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, uh, hand your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Just give it to him. One of our first pastors of our network that we're in, Joel Stockstill, his name, uh, there was a, believe it or not, there's issues that happen in churches. But in the beginning of our, 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 our planting, uh, just had a little, little tension going on with, with people. And believe me, there's, people have tension. But uh, I was calling like, all right, how do I navigate through this stuff? And he goes, you know what, man? There's, there's, there's uh, several things that the Lord hates. But let me tell you this. There was a time where a guy had basically taken advantage of me for $10,000. And he says, instead of trying to pursue it, I just blessed him. And he says, you wouldn't believe that how much an advantage. He basically said, I got 10 times that over the last next few years following that. He says, just bless them, let them go, and just love on them anyway. There's a principle in that that says, I'm out of control, but I give God control, and so I actually give him space to do the work that only he could do anyway. And if anyone says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go within two miles. Like the first mile, you had to. But the second mile, oh no, it's on me now. Now I'm the example. Now I'm testifying of Christ. Now I'm testifying of, of why I even exist and who I give my life for. So Jesus was confronting an old way of thinking and saying, hey, you used to give them what I deserve, but I'm teaching you something new, and that is to not give them what they deserve. And that's called mercy. Yeah, come on. He said, you, you, we receive mercy. He said, would you just take that and give that away too? And when you take that and give that away, I can do some work. I can do some spiritual work. Matthew 5, 34 says this, if you have, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know why it's so hard? It's a spiritual principle. It's not normal to our nature. It's adverse, in fact. So that's good news. Luke 6, 27 says, but I tell you, who, who, you who hear me, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. And can I say this very directly? We as Christians are called to speak to the dignity of people and not the depravity. So even when they don't deserve it, it's undeserved. Or even when they're not living in their dignity, we're speaking, we're called to bless them. We don't curse. The world may curse, but we bless. Yeah, we see all of this, but we're speaking life, we're speaking blessings back into it until it can align back with God's Word, align with Him. We bless. We don't talk, talk down about people. We don't talk down about their, their situations, their circumstances, their issues, their problems. We bless. That's good. 1 Peter 3.9 says, Do not do wrong to repay wrong, a wrong, and do not insult a, to repay an insult. 
but repay it with a blessing. Because you, are, you, you yourselves were called to do this so that you might receive a blessing. And no, that's not all. Read Romans 12, 20, 12, 17 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Leave room for Him to work. He changes hearts whenever we just give Him some space and we do our part. He says, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And that doesn't mean burn, baby, burn. Because that's what we say, oh, I can't wait to throw some coals on your head. No, what he's saying is, if because in their culture, whenever the seasons were cold and it would be cold, they were very dependent upon coals anyway for food, for, for washing clothes. But at night, to keep the house warm, they would have to have coals. And if someone mis mismanaged their coals, it would take all day to recover and get the house warm again, and the family would suffer greatly from that. So he's, and so if a good neighbor or neighbor was nearby, they would help by bringing over coals. What he's saying is, if your neighbor or somebody is doing you dirty, doing you wrong, what is going to bless them the most? And you bring that over and be a blessing to them and watch God do a work. That's what he's saying. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Number four is this, remember the eternal reward. Our sights cannot be set on earth. How we live on earth should be, should be reflecting, should reflect how we, what, what we're focused on. I am focused on the eternal reward. I'm focused on heaven, so the things that I do and how I live and how I, how I interact is reflecting what's really on my thoughts, what's really on my heart, the place that I know that I'm going. Our ultimate goals, our greatest desires, the focus of our decisions. Truly successful people are not putting all their eggs in heaven's got to work out. I mean, earth has got to work out. No, they're successful because they know even if this doesn't work out, it's going to be all right. There's a better day coming anyway. So I might as well forgive and, and let be and, and enjoy this right here and let myself off the hook no matter who cuts me off or what they do because I'm not staying here long. This was the Apostle's, Apostle Paul's secret. You know the 39 lashes that Jesus got that almost killed him before the cross? Oh, Paul got that five times. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bit. He was beaten with rods. He was in prison. He was stoned. Somebody said, well, at least he got a little bit of relief. Not that stone. That stone. <laughs> Second Corinthians 4 says this. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, dude that got lashed 39 times, five times. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. What's the secret, Paul? Second Corinthians 4. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. That far outweighs them all. Don't look at this stuff out here. Great. How you do it, let it reflect where you're going. But if you have heaven in your sights, it's okay if things don't work out. The question is, does your earth outweigh your heaven? 
Because if it does, then life is going to kick your tail every time. It's never going to be enough. It's never going to be good enough. It's never going to be satisfying. It never was meant to be. So we fix our eyes not on what we see, what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. But let's be real. Some of the worst struggles are the challenge of getting, for us, are getting out of bed and getting our kids ready for church, right? Like I, I open the closet or however my closet opens, and I'm like, man, I got nothing to wear in this closet.
and you're turning situations and circumstances that we've, we've struggled with for, for years, if not decades, and you're changing hearts and minds. And Father, I pray that you help us to, to see life in such a different perspective that we continue to trust you by applying these Beatitudes to all of our interactions, all of our, all of our relationships, and all of our circumstances. Father, I pray right now, and I want to invite you, if you've never come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're wondering, what was that communion thing that we did? I want to invite you to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today. And it's so simple because of His grace. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to change your whole life before you come to Christ. It's simply saying and believing and confessing Jesus Christ, just like this, you can repeat after me, Jesus Christ, I today confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. I don't know what that means yet. But I believe that you did go to the cross for me. And I understand that you, you were dead and buried three days and raised again. But I need the inner work. I need, I need help. So here's the best part. Holy Spirit, will you fill me up and teach me in the ways of your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Can I get a good amen, everybody? How about we stand up and worship God in freedom? In freedom.